Welcome to the Perfectly Flawed podcast. On this podcast, I am your host, Renee Fox, and I chat to various people who are willing to be open and vulnerable about their own experiences with mental health and sport. Please keep in mind that the things discussed on this podcast are people's own experiences and is not medical advice. If anything in these episodes is triggering for you or you feel like you need assistance, please contact a health professional or Lifeline on 13 11 14. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Perfectly Flawed podcast. In this episode, I am joined by Lani Pallister. Lani is a junior world champion swimmer. She has had a really tough run, especially when it comes to team selections. She is so genuine, kind, and honest. She has learned to be able to reflect on her experiences in swimming in a new light and shares her journey through that. Lani's a fighter, and she's so determined to make her mark in swimming. Lani loves to talk and it made chatting with her so easy and it was a delight getting to know her. There are a lot of emotions in this chat, but we also have so many laughs as well. I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to get to know her and glad I can share this with you. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I do. Welcome to the Perfectly Flawed podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. For those that don't know you, would you like to tell me a little bit more about yourself? Hi, everyone. My name's Lani Pallister. I'm a swimmer from Australia. Um, I've been on three junior Australian teams. I do stuff lifesaving. I, and so I swim distance freestyle. So 200, 400, 800 and 1500. My mum is my coach and she's coached me the whole way through my swimming journey. And yeah, that's about it. That's a quick overview. <laughs> so all the fun events, basically all the ones that no one else wants to do. Yeah. The best ones. At least <laughs> getting like the longer I'm in the pool makes the entry cheaper kind of. So like, it's okay. It evens out. <laughs> oh my God. My mom used to say that all the time. She'd be like, oh, if you do like a distance event, it's more value for money than doing a 50. Yeah. Well, that's what I tell myself to go to sleep at night. So. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned your coach by your mom. What's that like? Cause I have friends that have been coached by their parent before and it has, it's an interesting dynamic. How do you go with that? Yeah, it's very different. And it was something my mum kind of fell into. So she was an Olympian in the exact same events that I saw now. Um, so she went to the Olympics in 88 for the 400 and 800 free. She was a flight attendant and then one day decided that she was going to help out at Learn to Swim and never stopped. So it's different living with a parent that's your coach as well. I know a lot of my friends get to go home and rant and kind of complain about the coach to their parents or to their siblings and stuff. But if I went home... I'd tell my dad and my dad would just go and tell my mum, and then I'd get in trouble at home. And if I told my brother, he just wouldn't care. So in that side of it, it was hard because I didn't really have someone to like rant to or be able to complain about if something had gone wrong for me at training. But it's also really good in the fact that she's been there and done that with absolutely everything. She knows what it takes to become an Olympian, especially considering we saw the exact same events. And she's also my best friend and my number one supporter and my coach. So I get to work super closely with her and I have access to her all hours and she does absolutely anything and everything for me. So I'm really blessed. And I think it is a special dynamic. And once you kind of understand both roles from like the athlete and then the coach, it's a really easy dynamic to kind of like go along with. She splits her personality. So I don't talk about swimming at home with her at all, unless I bring it up and I call her, mum at home or Janelle and Nelly at the pool so that it kind of like separates the two people yeah that's awesome I never even thought about doing it that way I mean I had a friend that was coached by her mom and it was yeah she always referred to her as mum on pool deck or mum this or mum that and it's hard like I, I always think that they're I don't know how it would not go without being biased I mean obviously it's something that you're used to that you've been brought up with so you don't really know anything else that's just normal for you yeah, so mum tried to put me with a different coach when I was maybe 12 or 13 and I went and did one session away and I was like, no, I'm not leaving. Like, So she's given me the opportunity and she's never kind of told me that I have to stay and I have to swim with her. So she's always been the one that's been like, if you want to move on, you can move, like you can leave, don't 
you can't take my feelings into consideration. Like you have to do what's best for you. So she's probably the most supportive person that I've ever had in my life, obviously, because she just wants the best for me from perspective as a coach and wanting me to swim well, but then as a mom, like wanting me to be happy and all that sort of thing as well. I'm very impressed that you've been able to work that out because I definitely could not be coached by either of my parents. It would not work well at all. (laughs) Yeah, there was a stage where completely my fault like teen years I think I was 14 15 and I was getting kicked out of the pool once a week for speaking back and all that sort of thing so like I wouldn't speak to her at home at all like I would get so petty and so like just completely off it and I was like you know what I'm just not going to speak to you like it's fine so I think once I got past that stage which was like maybe two years long it wasn't every week like most weeks then yeah it's just gotten better and better and I think it's as I've matured a little bit as well I think after my first junior team which was in 2017 I almost had to go away like overseas for two weeks without her. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Like, I, I had no idea how to look after myself. And I know I had a <laughs> other people around me. Um, and then she ended up getting put on the team last minute. So I was like, oh, thank God. But yeah, so I think once I matured and once I accepted that I have to show her the same amount of respect as everyone, if not more, the relationship got a lot easier to deal with. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's so good that you have been able to figure that out. And I think everyone goes through that stage of like 14, 15, like not doing that, like really (laughs) stubborn and really petty about everything. 200 flight time trial. No, sorry, mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like not happening. Sorry. I can't get out and I'll go home. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. How did you fall into swimming? Like you said, you've done swimming and surf lifesaving. How did you fall into that? Yeah, so... In Australia, I think it's pretty standard that everyone kind of just learns to swim. Like anywhere you go, there's either a beach or a pool or something like that, especially with our climate being so hot. So my parents wanted me to be water safe. So I lived in Sydney for three years in Cronulla area. So we were near the beach and we had a pool at home and they just wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to go and accidentally fall in the pool and drown or something like that. So they threw me in and I never really stopped. I didn't enjoy swimming When I was young, I loved racing and I loved competing and that sort of thing. So they put me in tennis and they put me in netball and basketball and just threw me into everything. And as I got older and kind of kept swimming and kept doing water sports, it was something that I found I had a real knack for and ended up really loving. Like I still love surf lifesaving and it's unfortunate that I don't get to do it as much as I used to now that I want to swim kind of more professionally and more full time. Yeah, I would say it was my parents, if anything. Yeah, I was the same. I was always brought up that I had to know how to swim. And then it was my choice whether I continued on and very much the same. Like I've just stayed in it. Like I just never left. I just can't picture what it's like not to have it anymore. Yeah, I couldn't imagine being like a runner or something. I just, so much respect. Like you get sweaty and it's so high impact and I just can't deal with it. Like swimming is so nice because like you don't get hot either. Like the pool cools you down nice it's just early mornings you have the whole day to do whatever you want it's great (laughs) yeah I agree and then you can always have a nap so so true so so true and it's an excuse to like go home early when you're out with friends or something and you're like oh I've actually got training sorry I'm just gonna go to bed sorry (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna go home (laughs) I love that you also said in there that you've done world champs what was that like Yeah, so my first junior team was Junior Worlds and that one was interesting just in the fact that I had no idea about like swimming globally or that sort of thing. Like I didn't know who any of like the junior international swimmers were. I had no idea who half the team I went away with were. Like at that point, I wasn't super, in my own mind, like I didn't think I was that competitive in the pool. I made the team somewhat by default. So Ariane had pulled off the junior team because she'd made the senior team. And when I got the call from Swimming Australia, I was sitting at home in bed, real sad, eating chicken nuggets because I thought I'd missed the team. Like I was sitting there (laughs) and like in my bed and I was like, um, and then Swimming Australia called mom. They're like, oh, like Lani made the team. Is she at the pool? Like, can she come back for a photo with everyone? And mom was, came into the room and told me, and I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) My celebration was eating chicken nuggets. It was great. So that was interesting just because like I was so young and I had no idea what was going on. And then we'll skip Junior Pan Packs. That was 2018. And that was kind of my first like breakout meet um, on the junior scene. And then 2019 was Junior Worlds in Budapest. 
I swam the two, four, eight and 1500 free. So I had a massive program because they put me in relays and everything as well. And yeah, it was in Europe. My first time being in Europe was super, super exciting and super cool. The team that I went away with were incredible. Like they're still some of my best friends now. And I talk to most of them like once a week or like all the time. And it's nice to go away to different comps now and see them and then laugh about everything that happened. Cause obviously there's a lot of mischief and drama <laughs> that happens on teams that you don't hear about. But yeah, so I ended up winning the four, eight and 1500 freestyle over there. I got second in the 200 and we got second in the four by one and four by two free relays. Um, I broke three of the championship records in the four, eight and 15. And at that point, I didn't think I was going to swim that well, just because I was really anxious. I was somewhat um, depressed. I missed the um, senior team in 2019 after having people tell me for six months, like, you'll be on the senior team. Like, you'll be on the team. Don't worry about it. Like, you're going to make the team. And it was the fourth team that I'd missed by one spot. So I missed... Lodge short course. Oh no, third team that I'd missed by one spot. So come off games in 2018, I missed by one. Pam Pack's senior team 2018, I missed by one. I made world short course at the end of 2018 and chose not to go. And I did surf lifesaving instead in Adelaide instead of China. But that was my decision. And I look back and I'm like, well, something I have to live with. And then because I swam so well at the end of 2018 at short course, everyone was like, yeah, like you're going to make it. And I had so much pressure kind of put on me in that side of things. And I was like, oh my God, everyone's going to think I'm a disappointment if I don't make it. Like, obviously I'm not good at swimming if I don't make it and that sort of thing. And I missed it again by one spot. So when I went away, I wasn't really expecting to swim well. I was like, oh, well, everyone thinks I'm already average. So it doesn't matter how I think I swim and that sort of thing. So it was kind of a shock to turn around and swim times that would have put me in finals that happened at Senior Worlds a couple months earlier. So yeah, that was kind of all going on in the back of my head whereas everyone else around me was like oh she's just happy like she's swimming well and that sort of thing and I think that's something that all athletes have to talk about because sport's not just oh well like gold medals cool so much fun like it is there's a lot of psychological stuff to it that isn't talked about in sport with a lot of people I 100% agree I think there is so much that goes on behind closed doors and I think all sport particularly swimming is way more mental than it is physical and I don't think people realize the extent of that either yeah without a doubt and even this year like COVID so I didn't really start dealing with my problems from 2019 after I missed the senior team until halfway through COVID so after junior worlds and I raced really well everyone was like oh like cool you're doing really well we're so happy for you and when you're swimming well and when you're competing well, everyone wants to be your friend and everyone wants to be around you because they're like, oh, like if you're successful, hang around, you can like drag me up and help me become successful too. And that sort of thing. Not that they use me, but just like, you know, when you match other people's personalities and like the yeah. people that are, yeah. So that I went away to Germany at the end of 2019 for Pool Rescue, um, which is another surf lifesaving event. And I was meant to keep training over there but obviously with everything going on, I was kind of really lazy. Um, I still raced and I raced well on a like pool rescue side of things. But then I got back and I had States in December and I raced pretty average. And my mom just put it down to that. It's because I'd been away and I was jet lagged and I was happy to just brush it off as that and not really like acknowledge everything that was going on. And then I had, break over new years and Christmas and then we were in the water for three months and then COVID hit so in the back of my mind COVID was a massive relief for me because I was like oh I have another year until Olympics like it was a whole nother year to kind of like see if I could fix myself and if not then I didn't know what was gonna happen and then I didn't train a lot through COVID I think I was motivated for maybe two weeks and then I did nothing for like a month and a half like didn't run didn't do gym wouldn't go to the pool like I did nothing and I gained weight and I was still sad still just not coping very well and then pools and stuff reopened and mum asked me if I wanted to go to the Gold Coast for a month because I'd had a blow up with a couple friends and I was training on my own because I didn't want to see anyone from training either I'm really sorry if I'm talking a lot you can tell me to just like stop talking. no no keep going keep going <laughs> okay 
yeah, I was training on my own. I had a blow up with friends and it got to the point where I didn't even want to swim with them because they weren't talking to me. So I was like, well, I'll just swim earlier, do my own thing. And I won't even like associate around you. I was crying every day. And then mom was like, okay, do you want to go swim with Michael Bell for a month? And those of you that don't know, like swimming, um, Michael Bell is probably one of the best coaches internationally in history. He's had Olympic gold medalists. He's had so many Olympians and all that sort of thing. And I was like, no, I was like, I'm swimming so bad. Like, why would you send me away to him for a month? Anyway, I got sent away for a month. Um, I was living, <laughs> on, <laughs> living on the Gold Coast with one of my best friends. And I think I cried every single session for the first two weeks. We had time trials in Brisbane and the girls that I raced beat me by like 10 seconds over 500 meters, which is a lot. Like just, it wasn't a good, wasn't good. (laughs) And then he sat me down and he was like, I don't, I don't understand what's wrong or like why you're crying. Like, I just, I honestly don't get it. And I'm the type of person that just like kind of bottles emotions up. Like I don't like talking to people about it. I'm happy to just like sit and let it fester. And I'm like, maybe it'll go away. Like maybe it'll just I ignore it. It'll go away. Yeah. And I'm like, if it's not diagnosed, then it's not a problem. <laughs> and he's like, I don't understand. And I was like, oh, like, I, I don't want to talk about it. And he was like, well, you're going to have to. So then they started, I had to start seeing a sports psych and she was really good. She kind of helped me deal with a little bit of it, but it wasn't the, oh, like a relief. I still kept a lot of it inside. So rather than talking, I wrote this letter and I told him, bowling so I was still swimming with him I think I had two weeks left with him I told him I was writing this letter on the Thursday night and he was like Friday morning I got to the pool and he was like have you got the letter and I was like oh bowl I was like I was like it's not like a letter it's like a full 10 page essay with paragraphs and subsections like it was not that dramatic but I wrote this 800 word essay it had five different paragraphs and he read it and was like I don't know how to deal with this. So he gave it to my sports psych and I kept talking to her and she was like, well, it's really good that you like wrote about this. And I was like, oh, thanks. And even then, like I'd acknowledged it, but I didn't really know what to do about it. Like, you know, you have feelings and it's kind of like, okay, there they are. Like that's, that's everything. (laughs) So yeah, I wrote my letter, kind of started getting better. And then I went back home to mum was training with her again so everything started like kind of got the ball ball rolling and then I raced at December states in 2020 and I swam really well like it was the first time I'd swum well since August of 2019 so like almost a full year later I hadn't PB'd or anything but I wasn't disappointed because obviously we just had that massive break yeah from COVID um I broke the short course 800 and 1500 Australian records so I thought from then like the next six months for me were going to be like really good like I was kind of the happiest I'd been in a, well uh, what I thought was the happiest I'd been in a long time I was wrong <laughs> and then I ended up moving to the Gold Coast so my mum was offered a job at Griffith where bowling coaches so that was a massive move for me as well like I just settled my emotions and everything on the sunny coast and I was dealing with everything and then I up and moved And I was like, okay, so now I've moved out of home. I have to look after everything myself. So I live with a girl that I've known since I was four years old and she's awesome. She's an absolute blessing. Yeah. So now I'm down here and I kind of resurfaced everything a little bit. I was like, oh my God, what if everything I'm doing like is a waste? Like what if blah, blah, blah. And I think a lot of athletes go through that process and it's not like, oh, like I know I'm going to fail, but it's like a self-sabotage. Like, oh, well, if I have a reason why something goes wrong that I won't be as disappointed in myself and that's one thing that I've definitely had to deal with a lot is I try and find not find a reason or find an excuse but if something goes severely wrong it makes me feel like a little bit better so I didn't race nationals at the start of this year because I couldn't bend over I couldn't move like my back was so sore and then I was devastated because I was so excited to race, but it was my back. So I was like, okay, it's fine. I have trials. I feel like I've skipped a lot, but we're just going to go to that. (laughs) Um, So training down here, blah, blah, blah. It's really fun. Thought I was in a good headspace. And I was like, I was training. Okay. I was swimming well. I went down to Sydney to compete and I had my shoulders and it was kind of like, 
everything I was doing was just being thrown back in my face. And it's so hard to look back at now because I knew I did everything right for so long. Sorry. That's okay. Take your um, time. <laughs> like I'd done everything right for so long and then to get to trials and I got sick and I raced bad. And like, it's hard to just have a dream kind of taken away from you. And everyone's like, oh, it's only three years. <laughs> and that's probably the worst part because it's still three years away. But that's all right. But I don't want to use that as like an excuse. And I don't think other people look at, like, look at it as an excuse. And the people that are your friends before like you make teams and stuff like that are always going to be there anyway. But it's like the opinions of other people that like you respect and stuff are like, oh my God, what are they going to think of me? Like, I swam so bad. It wasn't that bad, but in my head, it wasn't what I wanted. So I think it's like the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh my God, what do people think of me now? And so I took two weeks off to just kind of deal with that. Like I'm back in the pool now. I'm trying to swim. I'm still sick. So I've got to get blood tests and stuff and whatever, but it's fine. <laughs> And yeah, so now I'm just trying to rebuild. And I think I've cried almost every day since trials. And it's not something that you talk about. Like in an Olympic final, everything you see in media is you look at the success story for the top two and like how happy you are for the top two people that have made it. And that's super happy for everyone on that team. Like they're all amazing people and they're all so deserving of that. And obviously anyone that makes senior teams have all worked so hard to make it but you don't hear about the six that have worked just as hard and just miss it and I think that's another thing that with sport you miss a lot like when you've constantly been like one spot out it's like okay that's the new norm that's just <laughs> that's just my story now so that's the thing I'm dealing with at the moment and it's hard like Obviously I have friends that have gone through the same thing and it's easy to talk about with people that have gone through the same thing. But when other people are like, Oh, like you'll be okay. And they don't understand how you're feeling, like makes it so much worse. <laughs> yeah, it is hard. And I mean, I obviously don't know you that well, um, but from <laughs> what you've told, like from what you've told me now, just because you didn't make that top two, doesn't mean that you're any less deserving of that spot yeah it's just like I think a lot of people look at it and it's when you do something so much and like so often it becomes your whole not your whole life and it's sh you shouldn't look at it that way but it's such a big part of your life and when you just like if you miss it or don't get exactly what you want it feels like your heart's been broken it's like you've gone through a breakup for like normal terms <laughs> like it's something that I'll never get back now and obviously like I'll be using it as motivation going forward because I never want to feel like this again but yeah, it's crazy to see like the mental side of sport and that sort of thing. Like I never, I didn't think I'd be feeling like this at the end of last year when I was swimming well. Yeah, I don't think anyone, <laughs> <laughs> anyone expects to feel that way. And whilst yes, you will be okay. That's probably not the thing that you want to hear in that moment. <laughs> It's still like, it still sucks. It still hurts. Like yeah. when you look at the standard that is required in Australia to even make the Olympics, making that final puts you in that top pick of the world. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like there was five, five girls in the 400 free made the Olympic qualifying time, like five. That's unheard of in like Australian distance swimming. It's crazy. And it's so exciting, obviously, because if you end up being like top two in Australia, you know, you're going to be at least top eight in the world. So it's exciting looking at it from that point of view, but yeah, it's just like a really weird feeling like watching back and looking at trials now and being like, okay, there's something that went wrong. And it's not that I wasn't dedicated or determined or anything like that. But I think that's what you end up putting it down to is like, okay, like what did I do wrong? Like, why didn't I get what I wanted type thing? And it's not, it's just other people were better on the day. Yeah. And it's hard. And it's, um, I don't even know if this is the right way to put it either, but like you had this dream and although it didn't necessarily work out the, the way you wanted it to, it's almost like you have to grieve it. Like it didn't work yeah. out. You yeah. have to grieve it. Like it's sad and it sucks and you have to just 
go through that like and people <laughs> telling you like it's going to be okay or you know it's in three years well yes that yeah. is true but You're that's so I need okay. to just like it still sucks it doesn't make it feel any less yeah so um that's a bit fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah I so, I mean it's crazy I, I don't know what that feels like I can only imagine what that feels yeah. like to go through all of that yeah so I'm sorry that you've experiencing that but I mean, I don't want to be the cliche and say it will get better. <laughs> I'm starting to get better. Like I got to the pool after having a week off and I cried for like 20 minutes before I even got in the water. I just sat on the pool crying. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously I had to get in and swim because I hadn't driven half an hour just to do nothing. So <laughs> yeah. And it's so hard because then you have to put your goggles on. You're like, I can't cry because it put my goggles up and then I can't see. Yeah. And I'm like oh my God, my mascara is going to run down my face. Like, oh, that was funny. Anyway, <laughs> it's nice having a group of people around you, like at Griffith where I swim. I have such a good group of friends around me that like it makes wanting to go to the pool at the moment a lot easier because it's not that I'm going to the pool to try and train for like Commonwealth Games trials or something. At the moment, it's going and like hanging out with them, like get back into the swing of things and that sort of thing. And yeah, so that's all right. It'll get better. And I know like it's something that I'm going to have to deal with and that's why I'm speaking to my sports psych about it. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> so what's it like for you? Like you said that, you know, you were, obviously there was a lot of built up things that you kind of just push down. And if I keep pushing it down, it will stay down, but eventually it just explodes. When did yeah. it like explode and how did you, I mean, like you said that, you know, you're crying more often and Bowie asked you like, what the hell is going on? how did you see it like did you think that there was something wrong I kind of thought about it and then I was like no I'm fine and so I'm obsessed with star signs and like just always just for fun like I'll look at Instagram and I'll be like oh such a Gemini (laughs) Um, so I'd be like if I'd say something or like I'd get upset about something I'd be like oh but I'm just dramatic so it's okay and I'd try and like brush it off and just make that everything else everyone else around me think that I was like happy and kidding and like same personality where I was making it obvious that there was something wrong but then just being like huh psych (laughs) um so that's like one of my coping mechanisms I guess it's not a good one but I think it's funny and yeah so I started like becoming unmotivated it was hard to want to get up to go training and that sort of thing and then I just started crying a lot more and I knew I had to talk about it with someone, but I didn't know who, cause I didn't want to feel like a disappointment with certain people. But then I also wasn't like comfortable enough with other people to want to talk about it with them. So I kind of was just like, I'll talk to myself about it. <laughs> and then, yeah, it all exploded all at once. And I wrote my letter and being able to write that letter and write everything that I was feeling without having to like verbalize it initially made it so much easier to want to talk about it because when I gave it to Bolly and when I gave it to my sports site they were like like oh my god this is a lot like I know exactly how you're feeling you've written down everything like let's talk about it let's talk about why you're feeling like this like how can we manage that in the future and that sort of thing so yeah yeah I I mean I've written plenty of letters in my time about how I'm feeling it sometimes I find it so much easier to write it down than verbalize it I don't know what it is it's just easier well, I feel like as soon as you start talking about something, you feel like crying. Like yeah. I write letters and I'm fine. Like I don't have any emotion like attached to the letter because I haven't had to say it. I haven't actually like had to put it into words myself and think about what I'm saying before I say it. Whereas when you write a letter, like you can just delete the sentence and start again. Hence why I write letters and don't speak. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And do you think looking back now like you said leading into races like you get anxious or nervous do you think that there was something there then like do you think there was anxiety there before the only I feel like it would have been but it's more from a place of I'm so desperate to be successful I don't think you go through a sport to want to be or like you want to be the best that you can be like you don't want to kind of stop a sport and be like oh like I could have given a little bit more And I'm so desperate to just like do well and want to do well and want to keep like progressing forward and like PBing and moving up like rankings and stuff in Australia and the world and whatnot. So I think mine comes from a place of like, I just want, I want to be the best. And it's hard because that turns into putting pressure on yourself 
and then never being happy with anything you do because it can always be like a little bit better and then it's like okay you're a perfectionist and nothing's ever perfect and nothing will ever be perfect so you're going to constantly just like drill yourself into the ground but yeah so when I compete my mom is always like well I'm proud of you no matter what she always is just like go have fun like I don't she's not the type of person to be like you have to swim a 405 or you're going to be disowned. Like it's nothing like that. And she's never yeah. spoken about times or anything. And she's probably, well, she's the only person that can really talk about times. I think she's my coach and she's never been the one that's like, okay, you need to swim a 403. Like she's always been like, Oh, like, how are you going to race it? Like, what do you want to do? And I'll tell her, she'll be like, okay, go have fun. Like, that's it. That's my race warm up prep that she'll tell me before I go and race like other people have a full in-depth like you need to swim this time on this 50 and do this and she's like off you go (laughs) (laughs) so yeah the only I I guess anxiety that comes with my racing is from a place of putting so much pressure on myself to perform yeah which is hard enough in itself anyway because you put it on yourself and then you feel like everyone else around you is putting it on you and then like if you don't pb or you don't I don't know when at a certain level or something you're like oh my god I suck everyone's gonna be so disappointed in me and yeah it is hard to deal with but then you have to look at yourself and be like well look at the good things before you look at the bad things so that you're not constantly just being like negative all the time and that's something that I am learning to do better now yeah I was gonna ask you about expectations and how you find them and do you think they're more external than internal or vice versa but we're always our own worst critic so Oh, without a doubt. Even with like university and stuff like that, I'm always like, it's not good enough. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think, yeah, as I said, I think we're always our own worst critic and striving for perfect- perfectionism that doesn't exist. So you're always like, yeah. nope, like there's, you always find a fault, like, no, that part's yeah. not good enough or this yeah. didn't work out. And that's because of this and finding a reason to justify why we didn't perform at our best. Yeah yeah or like you'll do a set and the whole set will be good and you miss 150 and you're like oh tragic (laughs) like the whole set's ruined the whole set's just bad just (laughs) ride that session off (laughs) yeah remember I did a set I had 10 400s short course suited and volley and my mom so they worked together on pool deck and they were like okay you hit one time and you have to like stay at that and I was like okay so it was in a block of four three two and then one and I did the first one and I pushed like a 413 short course and I was like oh my god I was like I've just screwed myself up so then for the rest of the set I was so scared to like race the last hundred um of the last 400 sorry so I went to 413 415 417 417 and then I went 40 for the next set, I started at 409 and then Bolly was like, okay, like keep it there. Don't go slower. And then I went 409 and then 410. And I was like, oh, the set's ruined. I was like, this is so bad. <laughs> and then we had three left. And then I think I went 405 and he was like, yeah, okay, stay there. And I was like, ah. and then I went 407 and I was like, oh, this is so bad. I was like, I'm just not doing it. It's not okay. I dived to 359 on the last one. And he came up to me after the set and he was like, oh, so like, what do you think of it? And I was like, oh it was a bit average and he was like you dived to 359 after nine 400s he was like why are you disappointed I was like oh but it just wasn't that consistent and oh the look he gave me and the reaction I got from him after I was like it just wasn't that good he was like you're an idiot he was like you need to learn to be happy with it because that's like a world-class set he was like that was awesome and I was like six out of ten <laughs> Oh, it was funny. So I look back at sets like that now and I'm like, yeah, I need to learn to be like, like I'm swimming well, like I'm doing something right, like progressing forward. And even if I wasn't happy with doing it that time, next time I do the same set, I can just be like a little bit better. And then the next time I'll be a little bit better. And if it's not in times, it can be in skills. And if it's not in skills, it can be in techniques. So rather than, I think for me now looking at times, I mean, like I have to hit every single one. It's making sure that I'm doing everything right that will end up progressing to swimming faster times. Yeah. And I'm the exact same. Like I'm so hard on myself. And I remember like here in Melbourne, our lockdown's been a lot more extensive than any other state in the country. And so I remember racing uh, states um, earlier this year and I swam my 200 brushstroke and I swam like right on PB or slightly under, which I haven't done in ages. 
and I called my coach because he wasn't there at the time and I called him and I, he's like oh are you happy and I just bawled it my eyes out and he's like what's wrong he goes are you so happy and I'm like no I'm devastated yeah and he's like what why and I was like yeah. it's not what I wanted yeah and he's like yeah. you swam that because he it was live stream so he was watching it from wherever he was and he's like you swam a perfect race like you held your stroke count your stroke rate timings were good like skills were there he's like what are you disappointed about I'm like it's not what I wanted yeah I'm like, and I you don't even more. have to like be like oh like I had a bad time like it's just it just wasn't it and then they're like why and I'm like because <laughs> just because because I said so like yeah, it's just not it. what I wanted <laughs> and he's like Renee like what's wrong with you like you swam it perfectly like it's on pace yeah everything was right and I'm like yeah but it's not what I wanted yeah it's just I don't know there's just like off vibes about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> I feel like so many swimmers can relate to that. Their coach will be like, oh, like, we happy with that? And you'll be like, yeah, nah. And they'll be like, oh, okay. And then they'll be like, <laughs> the coach will be like, yeah, like, I thought that was really good. And he'll be like, my die was average. My turn was bad. I did like three extra strokes on this lap. And then I breathed under the flags. And they'll be like, but you PB. And they'll be like, yeah, but imagine what I would have done if I did all those right too. <laughs> so true though. So funny. Oh, it's so accurate. What is your, so like for a hard set, like those 10 fours, what's going through your mind when you're swimming that set? When I saw it on the board, the first thing I looked at was the sprinters set. And as a distance swimmer, there's always like a little bit of like banter between like the distance swimmers and the sprinters, because like, obviously one of them swims 50 meters and one of them swims 1500 meters. So it's just like funny looking at like the set comparisons and stuff like that. And I looked over and I think they had like three fifties max and a 75 max, like twice through. And I was like, I have 4k and you guys have 450 meters. <laughs> I was like, you're, you're kidding me. So I looked and I was like, oh, I was like, this just isn't fair. And then um, I got into the set and I did the first one. And I feel like everyone always overcooks like the first effort of a set. Like you always like, you feel fresh, you feel really good. And you're like, yeah, like I'm not going to be tired in nine, 400s time. Oh, never. Couldn't imagine. And then, yeah, so I did the first one and I felt really good. And I was like, oh no, I was like, this this set's going to hurt a lot or it'll be a really good set. And it ended up being a good set. Now looking back at it, I'm able to be happy with it now compared to then. And yeah, so I did the first one and then going through, I think that said I was more of a, it's okay. Like if you die, you've already swum okay times like I think my best time short course before that session was a 403 and to be plus 10 on the first effort of 10 fours I was like it's okay it's fine we'll just keep like just cope with it um and then going through when you start to feel nauseous and like you're gonna throw up and all the rest of it it's like oh well you're almost there like you're almost done. <laughs> so I look at being finished and I'm like, once you get past halfway, everything's easy anyway. Like no matter how hard it is, like, you're like, okay, I'm almost done. It's okay. Like just get to the end, like do everything you can. And you can't, it's, I feel like I'm being so hypocritical on myself, but I'm like so many different emotions. And I feel like there's so many different things that go through your head that you have to like articulate in different ways. And you can like be unhappy, but then like happy with parts of the set, but like still overall, you're going to be unhappy, but yeah weird just just weird (laughs) no I understand the weirdness Um, I totally get that yeah you you get it hey so yeah I was like oh I might be happy with it I was happy that it was almost over and then yeah I'm always happy once the set's done I hate warm down warm down's like the worst part of training ever I don't know if you agree or not but I'd much rather do a super super long warm-up with a long main set and like 200 meters warm down and get out yep I hate warm down with a passion. So we got to the fours and we finished them. And I was so like, I was dying in the last 400. I got put next to one of the girls that swim 400 medley. I think I went 30 seconds behind or something. And Bowley was like, okay, catch her. And I was like, okay. Or maybe it was a minute behind. I think it might've been a minute. Something like that. So anyway, um, he goes, okay, catch her. And I was like, ah, okay so I didn't know how to kind of go with it because normally when you race you're like okay first 100 like you know do your pacing and all that sort of thing and I just like took off apparently I think I went through like 57 feet on wall short course just chill (laughs) um (laughs) and 
I started hurting so early and then I had to keep looking at her to see if I was catching her or not. And then I was like, but I want to win. I was like, I want to catch her, but she didn't want me to catch her. So it was kind of just turned into this game of like cat and mouse. Um, and we turned at the last 50 together, which was so fun. Oh, she turned ahead of me on the last 25. And I remember the whole squad was like lining up and down the side of the pool, like just watching us. And we got to the wall and I think I just touched her out or something. And we sat at the pool, other end of the pool, just like laughing at each other. And it wasn't even about like the time at that point. It was that I'd won. (laughs) And then she dropped a PB in the set and I PB'd it. Like she had 10 fours medley, which is so much harder than 10 fours free. Oh, absolutely crazy. And yeah, so I think we were both just like happy to be done with it. Not super happy with the times that we swam like on average, but stoked because we PB'd at the end of it. Yeah. so many emotions go through your head but yeah. oh 100 i think every single emotion that possibly exists go through your head at that oh. point in like two seconds you can be like happy and sad and then content and then like oh i'm hungry but like yeah yeah <laughs> i know so many things so i mean you've explained so much of what you've been through so far out of all of that and anything that you haven't shared um what would you say has been one of your biggest challenges so far I think I pretty much covered all of it. There's not a lot other than that that's really kind of like broken me. Like as I, like I'm an open book. I tell everyone pretty much everything, even if it involves me crying. I hate people like seeing me cry as well. So if I start talking about it, I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like, okay, and <laughs> my eyes away, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much it. My grandma passed away just before COVID started last year. So I was like, oh my God, she's never going to see me become an Olympian. And that hurt. Yeah. But now I have to wait three more years. So like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to cope with that one. <laughs> but yeah, like, I think you go through phases and some days you'll be okay. And then other days you won't. And that's just part of life and like everything with life, not just sport. Um, and I think the fact that you're so invested in sport just over-exaggerates all those emotions anyway. Yeah, definitely. I think sport amplifies all of it. It's like, you know, life is like this kind of roller coaster and sports like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And then you go backwards and then like up a little bit more. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What would you say is one of your biggest achievements so far then? In terms of results and stuff, I think more recently, the thing that I'm most like happy with was my 1500 at short course. So I swam 1527, which was the Australian record. And I didn't think I was going to swim anywhere near that. Before I got on the blocks, I always stand on the left-hand side and like face, like obviously the other way, face to the Mm -hmm. right. Everyone else is like on the right. Um, And the last person I saw before I dived in was Mrs. Reinhardt. And I was like, ah, pressure. (laughs) I was so nervous to race. I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? And... I just went for it and I was like, I'm going to die. I was like, this race is either going to be like really good or really bad. And Bolly and my mum, both of them were like waving on pool deck. So I thought I was so far off time. And I was like, oh no, like this is just not it. And I had like the whole flags, maybe more. I don't know. I had like a fairly big gap on everyone else. And I was like, does that mean we're all swimming slow? Are we all off time? Like what's going on? <laughs> um, and then I could see Miss Reinhardt when I was briefing and I was like I don't want to embarrass myself in front of the patron of Swimming Australia like that's so embarrassing I was like I don't want to see me like absolutely die like no one wants that (laughs) so I thought I was gonna vomit at 700 meters and anyone that swims 1500 knows that like that hurts a lot like normally if you don't feel nauseous by 700 like you're not swimming it right but this was like next level like I thought I was gonna have to throw up in the pool and keep going so then I ended up finishing the race. I turned around. I broke the Australian record. Miss Brian Hart sitting there like clapping. I was so stoked. Like it was just a good race in general. Like I didn't think about anything. Like as my mom says, I just went in and had a go and I was happy. And I think they're the best races that you have. Like when you actually can't remember anything in it, except like one thing, which was me being nauseous. I think when you overcomplicate races is when like you end up being more disappointed by them. But then it's hard to not be disappointed when you know like you could have done something better like I don't remember anything in that 1500 because in my mind like I did absolutely everything that I could have regardless if like one turn was bad like I was just dying (laughs) yeah 
how does it make you feel like knowing what I know now that, you know, you can be self-critical? How does it feel talking about a good thing and being content about a race? It's a nice feeling. I think it's hard because you look at how many positives you think you have and then you're like, oh, but look at my mountain of negatives. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's just like, it's something everyone has to work through. Like everyone will have different points of views on different thing. And like, you might think someone's race is like perfect and you can look at someone else's race and they'll be going through the same thing and they'll be like oh that was so bad like I had other friends crying on pool deck with me in Adelaide and it wasn't even the end of the meet yet like I still had after the 400 which was the first event I swam a 407 in the final which was slower than my morning and I just broke down like on pool deck with my mum and then the next day I had the 200 and I still had the 8 and the 15 which I ended up having to pull out of I was blowing blood out of my, <laughs> blowing blood out of my nose and coughing up green. So I like was not healthy, but that's okay. Like that's not an excuse. That's just a situation, <laughs> and we won't do that again. Um, <laughs> so, so I had other friends that went through the same thing and like PB'd, but were still bawling on pool deck, and it was like really weird to see other people be sad when they did PB. But then I had to put it into perspective and be like, well, it wasn't what they wanted, and their emotions are valid too. And it is hard, but it is, you do have to come to that point where it's like, yep, okay, whilst the situation is different to mine, it doesn't mean that what they're feeling is any less. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. So if I switch things up a little bit, what kind of impact do you think social media has? I, I scroll all day on TikTok and Instagram. So I think I overuse it, but it's also like a very easy time killer. But the one thing that I think people have to remember is that like Instagram and all social medias and that sort of thing are the 1%. Like no one looks like the Kardashians all day, every day. Like there's Photoshop and then people go and portray these lifestyles that aren't maintainable. And you're able to look and be like, oh, like I wish I had what they had, but you don't actually know how they're feeling inside. Like I know my Instagram is like a whole lot of swimming and happy and all that sort of thing. And that's just the 1% of my life. Like I'll post what I want to post because that makes me happy and that's what I'm trying to put on my Instagram and like be a positive influence I guess but not everyone will look at it like that and I look at other people's Instagrams and I'm like why would you post that like that's not like I just don't understand some of like reasoning behind different people's posts but then I have to realize that everything is everyone's own perception and their own choice and that sort of thing so it can be very good and I think if you are able to use it for the right reasons and able to use it the right way it's a good way to get out of your own head but if you stay on it too long but I think it can also be a very negative impact on your life yeah I agree and it is so important to remember that what is posted on social media is very much a highlights reel it's what they want to put forward like if you're going to go for a job interview you're only going to show what you want them to see and what the best part is Instagram or Facebook is the same thing you're just posting what you want other people to see you as yeah without a doubt like and that's why people started making like fake Instagrams or like their second one, their Finster. And they'd have their main account that was like all photos of them, like nicely done up and with like heaps of friends and all that sort of thing. And then they'd have their second Instagram where they're posting videos of them, like bawling their eyes out. I was like, okay, like I'm happy for them. Like the Finsters are always so funny to look at. But yeah, like it's crazy to think that people want to put, like portray one way, but when you know them in real life and they're like a different person, I don't know, it's just like a whole lot, but yeah. What kind of impact do you think sport has had on your life and do you think it has changed? I don't think I'd be the same person without sport, obviously, because I've grown up with it in my life. But if I wasn't doing sport, like I think I'd be like studying full time and doing something else that kind of takes up a lot of my time. Like I'm the type of person that I'm going to be doing more uni and that sort of thing. But I don't know. I couldn't imagine my life without sport now I think it has had a massive impact and it's definitely shaped like most of my personality because of the people that I've grown up around and my parents being involved in that sort of thing but I think it's been a good influence and not a bad influence yeah for sure what would be your upcoming goals short term or long term so at the moment I'm just trying to get back into the water and just keep doing what makes me happy and that sort of thing because obviously swimming makes me happy otherwise I wouldn't do it it's just results that come from something that can be heartbreaking sometimes and that's okay like you deal with that um but at the moment I am yeah just getting back in the water 
hopefully be which is in Abu Dhabi, I believe. I'm not sure if they're sending a team yet or not, but end of the year and they're doing drafts and all that at the moment. So by the time the podcast is posted, I may or may not be drafted to an ISL team, which will be super exciting as well. So, and then if both of them don't go ahead, it'll be December States for Queensland and then Commonwealth Games trials next year. Awesome. Many things to come then. That's super exciting. Keeping occupied. I'm trying to keep occupied. <laughs> <laughs> now that's awesome. So to finish with, I like to do three questions. The first one is, what is something that you're most proud of about yourself? That I have a positive influence on people. Like I don't bitching and moaning and all that sort of thing and try and like bring other people down. I am always a very supportive say that I'm proud of who I am today yeah that's that's it yeah I love that that's so good second question (laughs) (laughs) is what is your favorite quote or the best piece of advice that you've been given I have an answer for both of those so my favorite quote is hope is in the strategy things are going to go well like you've got to make a plan and all the rest of it and I know hope is part of it but it shouldn't be, oh, like I've been training really inconsistently. Like I hope things are going to go well. It's, I've done everything right for the past six months. I don't need to hope things to go well for me. Like I know that they will be going well. So I like hope isn't a strategy. And my best piece of advice is to do what makes you happy. Like I've grown up telling me that like, if you don't enjoy something, don't do it. Like enjoy it, just have fun, do what makes you happy. That sort of thing is, yeah, the best, best piece of advice I have. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so important because it's so simple, but I don't think many people actually live by that. <laughs> um, the last question I have is any tips for those that are listening? I guess it comes into the, like, make sure you enjoy what you do. I don't think there's any point getting up at 4.30 a.m. and absolutely hating swimming, like be able to talk about your feelings with your parents and talk about everything that's going on and make sure that you're doing what's best for you. And if that's not doing a specific sport or wanting to swap into another one, that's your choice. And if it's something to do with school or anything else outside of kind of sport and that sort of thing, like you've got to be able to voice your own opinion and not just stick at one thing because you think that other people want you to do it. So making sure that like everything that you do is for you, because I don't know, you only have one life and it's not that long. So you've got to do so fun. So cute. So much happy in that. (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much for joining me today it's been so good chatting to you oh thank you for having me sorry I cried before no it's more than okay (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love it I love it it's so funny Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Perfectly Flawed podcast. If you would like to stay up to date for when the next episode is being released, you can follow myself on Instagram at Renee Fox, or you can follow the podcast at perfectly underscore flawed underscore podcast. I'll chat to you next time. Bye.